Welcome to this special edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. It's an open forum, and it's your time to call with your questions about the Bible, biblical teachings, and practical Christian living. Whatever's on your mind, call 631-955-5400 to be on the program, or text your question to Pastor Bill at 516-367-0391. Now, here's your host for today's open forum, Pastor Bill Shishko. And this is Pastor Bill Shishko with you in our monthly open forum. You've already heard the information, but let me repeat it again. If you'd like to call with your question about topics about the Bible or about Bible doctrine, what the Bible teaches in terms of what we are to believe, or practical issues, normally the questions tend to be about very practical issues, just call in 631 Or if you want to text your questions, and people do that, we actually have one that was texted in to us, 516-367-0391. And if we're not able to get to those texted questions today, we'll certainly try to get to them on our next open form. But we have the one right before us today. And let's get to that question that was texted to us. Uh, we were not able to cover it in our last program, but it's an imp- it's a it's a good one and it is an important one, and and here's the question it, and it, the references to the book Fifty Shades of Grey, and the the question is how do we deal with books we may not want to read, and and I think what the questioner is asking is is how do we deal with books that are that have unpleasant subjects in them, perhaps uh, even wicked subjects in them. Uh, things that would that would tempt us. How do we deal with books that we may not want to read? And the one that was cited was the book uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Now, let me give you a little bit of background. Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey was actually a, a movie that came out in 2015. It's had two sequels to it. And that first movie was based on the 2011 novel, Fifty Shades of Grey, that was written by a British writer, E.L. James. And it's it's interesting... I find that the main characters in the book, one one is Christian, uh, he is a businessman, um, and, and hardly a Christian, and the other is Anastasia, which is an English word that, that builds on the Greek word for resurrection. And so both of these are words with distinct Christian connotations, and yet uh, the book itself, or rather the, the book or the movie, uh, is hardly Christian. Uh, because it involves uh, things like sadomasochism, uh, intimacy that is accompanied by by brutal forms of of punishment and and harm and and domination that come to one another. Um, And so it gets us into the whole realm, and you see this in the title, of course, Fifty Shades of Gray rather than Black and White, and it's the issue of where do you cross from right and wrong in these sexual areas. So the question is, with respect to this, and of course there's so many other books, uh, how do we deal with books we may not want to read? Uh, first of all, think of this on the personal level. And there, the, the, the text for us that is so important is in Ephesians chapter 5, and beginning at, at verse 3, and actually verse 3 itself, and then in verse 11. And it's an interesting text. The Apostle Paul says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness, 
must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And then later he talks about taking no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead to expose them. And it's particularly that language in here, sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness, which is interesting. Uh, We tend to focus on sexual sins, forgetting that the covetousness that marks our culture is put right up there with sexual sins. Anyway, these must not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints. And, and, and clearly, uh, the language here is to, is to stay away from certain things. Um, and there's a, there's a commentator, his name is Peter O'Brien, uh, writing on this chapter to the, to Paul, the Apostle Paul's letter to uh, the Christians in Ephesus, which is part of modern-day Turkey, and, and, and Peter O'Brien, I think, gets the meaning of this, uh, let it not even be named among you very well. He says, all these forms of sexual immorality and greed, covetousness, are so serious that they must not even be mentioned among God's people. The word, which is best rendered not even, together with the repetition in verse 12, it is shameful even to mention the things done by them in secret, indicates that believers should not only shun these sins, but also avoid thinking and talking about them. Clearly, such vices will be mentioned in lists as here, but they are not to become the subject of a Christian's conversation. That is part of his or her daily living and speaking. Thinking and talking about sexual sins creates an atmosphere in which they are tolerated in which can even promote their practice. And here he quotes a, another commentator on, on the book of Ephesians, and I think that's a, that bears repeating here. Thinking and talking about sexual sins creates an atmosphere in which they are tolerated, in which can even promote their practice. Now, we see that, of course, in our own culture today, in which uh, horrible forms of, of sexual perversion are not only tolerated, but actually promoted in practice. And the Apostle Paul in Romans 1 speaks about that dynamic. Anyway, O'Brien continues, the motivation for the avoidance of such conversation is what is fitting for the saints. Their holiness is God's people. And so he says we should, the focus is on their holiness, the holiness of God's people. They're reminded that God has called them to be holy and blameless before him. Ephesians 1 and verse 4, it is appropriate that their lifestyle be consistent with this holy calling. And he cites 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 7. So, so again, the question is, what do you do with, with, with things like this that basically depict gross immorality, break down barriers to it, and, and may even tempt you to do that yourself? Well, first of all, it isn't necessary to read books like this. Uh, first, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be giving our money for them and <laughs> giving royalties to the authors. Uh, but you can find out about them, as I've done, just by Googling things, looking at Wikipedia and getting the information. So it isn't necessary to read these books in order to know what's in them. Second, I really challenge all of you that to read things like this is a bad use of your time. Where our time is so limited, it seems that to read the books uh, and watch the films or programs that are most helpful to us, 
really is a better use of time than, than watching those things that are morally questionable. And then third, you've got to be careful that you don't dull your conscience. Again, that language in there, it promotes the, the toleration of and, and, and even acceptance and promotion of sexual sins. So my answer would be, unless you really need to read it for something, then, then stay away from it and read something else. My dictum in these things is you should come away from a book or an article or a movie having close to or the same mind, if I could put it this way, toward the issues as God does. There may be the depicting of something that makes it odious to you, and if it's odious to God, then you come away with that. That would be, that would be good. Uh, and with the examples, I would give the Lord of the Rings trilogy uh, gives you a, 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 the same mind toward the intricacies of the way God deals with the world and the, and the triumph of good over evil and so on. There would be an example of that, or as I frequently cite, World Magazine, which will help you look at issues from a Christian perspective and come away with God's mind. Now, let me add one dynamic, and we've got to work. Our phone calls are beginning to come in, but uh, regarding this question, how do we deal with books that we may not want to read? Uh, some years ago, my wife and I were had the responsibility and the privilege of caring for a young man from another culture while he finished up his high school year and received some necessary medical treatment. And I was brought up in a Christian home and was in a, in a rather sheltered country where a lot of the things that we uh, placard uh, in, in newspapers and in malls and so on uh, was, was not common there at all. And we had him in, uh, in a public school for his last year of high school. We're appreciative of the, of the assistance they were able to give. But uh, he was asked to read at least one book um, that, that we found more seriously morally objectionable because it, 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 it not so much promoted as it taught the view that, that homosexuality in this case was acceptable and was not wrong. Um, and that's, a, that's a, another issue that you have to face on the public level, books that your children are required to read at school. And my counsel to you, and this is pastoral counsel, certainly be alert when Jesus says, watch and pray that you might not enter into temptation. Watch means being alert to what's around you. Don't be like an ostrich with your head in the sand. Second, when you see something or you know of something that your child has to read in school uh, that would be um, something that would promote that which is contrary to the Word of God or that you find morally objectionable, speak up to the teacher respectfully. Um, the, 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 that's so important. You think, of, you think of Daniel and his friends who were put in a morally compromising situation in Babylon, and, and they, they sought um, what is sometimes called a constructive alternative to what was cha- and their challenge was. We'll do the same thing. Our experience has always been in working even in the public schools that uh, the teachers are very respectful of our convictions. So speak up respectfully and present a constructive uh, alternative, another book that would deal with with maybe with similar themes, similar moral themes that are not objectionable to you or that would just be a a book that's edifying if it's for an English class or whatever. Now, if, if if, if the teacher 
is not going to respect your convictions. And don't assume the teacher won't. As I said, our experience has been uniformly favorable in that regard. But if you have difficulties, then you do need to teach to speak to the teacher's superiors. Again, respectfully, if necessary, file a formal complaint. At the end of the day, though, if you are required in a school setting, as an example, to read something uh, that would violate this principle of not even being named among the saints. Uh, that word no should be in your vocabulary. Say, no, I, I'm, I'm glad to read a longer book, a more difficult book on, on a similar theme, but I'm not going to violate my conscience uh, in order to, to take this class. Okay, So I hope that's somewhat helpful to the person who texted that thoughtful question, how do we deal with books we may not want to read? And our second, we have a caller now, Tyler. Hey, Tyler from Mastic Beach. Welcome again to a visit to the pastor's study. What's on your mind today? Oh, good afternoon, Pastor Go. I've got a question for you. Um, I was thinking about some things recently, and uh, uh, what would someone do if they're interested in the gospel ministry? What would be things and uh, uh, necessary steps to take and for training looking in for that area of expertise? Now you're talking about gospel ministry, Tyler, right? You're not talking about Sunday school class. You're talking about being a minister of the Word of God, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's great, great question, Tyler. Appreciate that. Um, that that brings us into what is technically called seminary training. Uh, seminary training is the the technical word for men who study certain subjects to prepare for a full time calling as one who ministers the Word of God. Um, what is, what, and, and Tyler, stay on the line here. We can interact in a little bit, but let, let me kind of acquaint everybody with what, what seminary training is. Uh, these are schools that offer, used to be a three-year curriculum. Now, for various reasons, that curriculum can spread out to four, five, six years or more. But it's a, it's a full curriculum that is designed to introduce men to biblical languages of Greek and Hebrew and sometimes Aramaic to give what's called biblical introduction. Biblical survey is information on what the Bible itself teaches. Biblical introduction is uh, who wrote the first five books of the Bible, when were they written, what was their purpose, what are their main themes. They literally introduce you to the different books of the Old and the New Testaments. And then, of course, there is Bible survey, uh, that, that most seminaries offer now because Bible survey, learning what the Bible from Genesis to Revelation teaches, is not as, not as common as it used to be. And if a man's going to, going to be a minister, he needs to know the, what the Bible's about. And, and then in, in seminaries, there will be courses offered on biblical, the term is genres, different types of biblical material, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses, are foundational to the whole Scripture. There will often be classes that just introduce students to the Pentateuch, then the historical books, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, uh, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Chronicles, and so on, Ezra, Nehemiah, giving the, the history of the Old Testament uh, from Moses on, the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, Ezekiel, Daniel, and others, and the minor prophets. That, that's a different genre of literature. The wisdom literature, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, these are different types 
of Old Testament literature and the New Testament Gospels and then Acts, which really acts as, as an extension of the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, because Acts is about uh, the things uh, that the Gospels, Luke says, writing Acts, the Gospels are about the things Jesus began to do and teach. Luke's first book, the book of Luke, is about things Jesus began to do and teach. In the book of Acts, he continues those things through through the apostles and the church. Then, of course, the epistles, Romans and Corinthians and, and Thessalonians and so on and so forth to the book of Revelation. Uh, then also in, in seminary, uh, Tyler interested in this and others, uh, systematic theology, what the Bible teaches about God, about Jesus Christ, about salvation, about the last, the end times, uh, about the, the the civil government, marriage. So that that systematic theology, what the Bible teaches about different topics, biblical theology, uh, goes through from Genesis to Revelation, talking about how God has the technical word is organically, God has developed through the history of of his dealings with his people. Uh, there's a development of certain themes all having their fulfillment in Christ. And then apologetics or defense of the faith is taught at seminary. And then practical theology, as it's called, uh, counseling, preaching, pastoral theology, missions, evangelism. Uh, Tyler, I'm not trying to bore you. Is that, that what you're talking about for, for training? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, it's good to hear uh no it's good to hear like uh, the subjects uh kind of presented in in uh in their unique uh substance yeah yeah I, I, and the reason i say that tyler it not only for you but for others many people uh, most people they don't realize the amount of of uh in, in, amount of knowledge necessary just to open up one text of scripture i should also mention i completely forgot about church history uh which is also important you learn about god's work and the history of the church but the reason why these things are so important, Tyler, for you and for others, um, the Apostle Paul in First Timothy, Second uh, Timothy, chapter two, and verse fifteen. Timothy was um, what you may be to a minister one day, Tyler. He, he was a, an intern, so to speak, to Paul as his mentor. And and this is you could make the case that this is actually the last letter of the New Testament that was written. The Apostle Paul says to Timothy, "Do your best." Um, and, and, and the word there is really be diligent, make every effort to present yourself to God as one, as one approved. That's approved after being tested. A worker who does not, and a worker means somebody who really works hard at this, who doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth or cutting a straight course of truth through the word of God. And it's scary, Tyler, and others who are listening there are so many people who profess to teach the Bible, and they don't teach it accurately. And the Scriptures have very strong words about misrepresenting the Scriptures. I mean, clearly, uh, if, if Timothy was to be one um, who was a worker who didn't need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth— uh, there are many who, that will be ashamed in 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 very in very um, serious ways if they don't handle the word of God accurately. And you have Acts eight and verse thirty one, where you have uh, the, the the eunuch, who's the the Ethiopian eunuch, who says to Philip, "You know, how can I understand what I'm reading in Isaiah unless somebody leads me in the right way or teaches me?" Paul didn't shun to declare the whole counsel of God. 
Um, what is that? Being a wise master builder. Tyler, if you want to go into ministry, um, you're what Paul would call a master builder, building a building in a local church or beyond. And Paul talks about a wise master builder. Well, all those things, all those things, because you're dealing with the Word of God to do this, strongly argue that we shouldn't make fun of something that's called often cemetery education. Um, don't laugh at training of the of the Word of God. Ministers deal with life and death issues. And I would be so bold as to say if you are in a church with an untrained minister who handles, or, or one who professes to be a minister, who handles the Word of God carelessly, get out Unless there is some reasonable way you can change that, don't let your soul be subject to the work of a surgeon of the soul who doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, There may be very sincere people who want to be heart surgeons, but it takes a lot of training and and experience and and practical experience to do that. Tyler, are you following me so far? Oh yeah, absolutely. If uh, you know, like you said, if, if I uh, wanted somebody to work on my brain, I would I would definitely want them to go to school to be a neurosurgeon. Yeah, exactly. And I think we have to keep that analogy in mind. Um, and then we've got to have a break. But let me just make a few additional notes for you, Tyler. Um, the the if, if you go to seminary, any of you considering going to seminary, first study should be your own personal godliness. Now, the Apostle Paul, in his first letter to his intern, Timothy, who was a minister by then, uh, he, he said to them, uh, keep close watch on yourself and on your teaching, and in so doing you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Uh, it's not learning theology in seminary that's the first thing. It's learning about your own heart and your Savior and your God. Uh, so for seminary training first, take heed to yourself. Um, also very important. We won't get into names, but look for a biblically faithful seminary in which there are godly faculty members, because you'll learn more from their example than than you really will even from what's in the classroom. And then the last is this, and this would really take more time. It's something, Tyler, for you to think about and others. Um, Certain denominations, my own, for example, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, require at least a three-year seminary training, or it's equivalent. And I, I have, with, with appreciation, when seminaries have practical theology courses, I question, frankly, whether the classroom is the best, is the best uh, forum, so to speak, for teaching things that really are, are about the church. Um, I have always been bothered when men have taught preaching, for example, and have had very little, if any, experience preaching as a pastor. Um, Pastoral theology taught by a man who hasn't been a pastor for many years, proven I wouldn't take the class. Um, and, and, And counseling maybe in a different category, because now we're dealing with a lot of more professional kind of skills. But at least when it comes to preaching and pastoral theology, I'm a strong believer that the closer that can be done to the local church, the better. So, Tyler, is that kind of helpful to you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Great. Thank you. Very good. Well, my Lord, give you wisdom as you look to your future training. Okay, Tyler? We'll be back with more on our open forum. Just so you know the numbers to call if you'd like to call with your questions at 631-955-5400. If you want to call with your questions or if you want to text them, 516-367-0391. We'll be back with more open forum after this message from the voice of a visit to the pastor's study. 
that great city, New York. Metropolitan New York is the largest city in the United States. And with a population of over 20 million people, Metro New York is one of the largest cities in the world. And what's more, Metro New York is home to people from every nation of the world. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. But churches faithful to historic Reformation Christianity in the Metro New York area are few and far between. The mission fields of Metro New York are America's richest and most neglected. Reformation Metro New York is an agency by which the Orthodox Presbyterian Church is planting and developing biblically faithful churches and church ministries in the Metro New York area. Through Reformation Metro New York, you can help promote the outreach of this program, a visit to the pastor's study, and other projects designed to further the ongoing reformation of the church. That and church planting are the great passions of Reformation Metro New York. For more information, check out the website at at ReformationMetroNY.org, where you'll get a personal look at the ministries of the churches, pastors, evangelists, and teachers of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in the area, and you'll learn how you can be a part of our labors. We need your help. Here's the site again, ReformationMetroNY.org. Thanks for your interest and your help. Remember that great city, New York. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. Now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Now, this is Pastor Bill Shishko here with you for our monthly open forum on a visit to the pastor's study. If you'd like to be live on air with your question about matters of what the Bible teaches or biblical doctrine or practical issues, call 631-955-5400. It often should roll off your tongue, 631-955-5400. Or if you'd prefer to text your questions, you can do that anytime. Just put those under Pastor Bill in your mobile device. Device, uh, 516-367-0391. Text questions only, 516-367-0391. And so today on the open forum, we have Nan, Nan from Queens, who's calling us Hi. today. Hi, Nan. Good to have you Hi, with hello. us on a visit. Good to have you with yes. us on a visit to the pastor's study. Uh-huh. So I have a question, Pastor Bill. I'm a new Christian, and I'm going back my hometown, home country, uh, so what suggestions can you give it to me, to a person like me? All right. Well, Nan, now, now, Nan, let me ask you this. Are you a Christian? Yeah. Yes, I am a Christian. Okay. Have you been a Christian for a long time, or, or is rather recent, or, or what? Uh, it's about uh, probably one, one, more than one year. Okay. All right. So, so you be, be in what we call a young, a young Christian. You're moving to a, to a new country where you don't know yeah. people, or at least many people. Okay. Nan, my my biggest bit of counsel to you is this: get mm-hmm. a faithful church that uh-huh. focuses on the gospel and that demonstrates the life of Christ. Okay, get a faithful church that focuses mm-hmm. on the gospel and demonstrates the life of Christ. Nan, let, let me ask you a question: What yeah. since you become a Christian, what what has your church experience? Uh, here in, I guess, in Queens, the United States, what's it been like, yeah. and what have you learned? Um, my experience about the church here is a little bit bumpy, because I was an atheist before. So for me to accept God, um, it, it was hard. So, and but the church I went before uh, helped me to know God, and also God opened my heart. Opened my heart, but then. 
uh, I stumbled into Jehovah Witness. So there's a, this is another kind of bummer for me. So, uh, and then I know there are so many denominations which I didn't know at all before. But luckily, because I start to know more about no more Christian friends, it helped me uh, know more and more. Okay, and and you got obviously you got out of the cult of the Jehovah's Witnesses, but uh, you you did you did you visit a number of other different churches, or did you settle on one over the past year? Um, I went to different churches before I visited different church. Just want to say, okay, if I. Uh, if the the teachings is strong enough, and uh, but then to a certain point, a friend introduced me to a Presbyterian church in Fresh Meadow. So now I'm in this church. Okay, so you I, yeah. I like it very much. What yeah. what do you like about the church that you're in, Nan? You don't you don't have to mention the name, obviously, but what 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 do you like about the church that you're in? Uh, the teaching the teaching compared with the one I went before, the teaching is strong and. Okay. Biblical. Okay. Uh, so everything is around around the the Bible. For example, the sermon I you know I heard before in non-denominational church, uh, the pastor wouldn't talk too much about their own personal life, and sometimes I want to say, oh, I want to hear more about the, you know explanation or quotes from Bible instead of just uh, hearing the, the the you know their personal story. Yeah, the stories. Like here, okay. Yeah, here I feel like okay, the the sermon is is like titling around Bible itself. Okay, so that's the most important part of it. And and then, have you? Is there good fellowship? I mean, have you made close friends? Do you regard other believers in the church as your brothers and sisters in Christ? Yes, treat you like I, that? I do. Yeah, I do. This is another part of the church. I I, I like it so much that I I experience the real sister. The brotherhood in, in Christ. Okay, excellent. Well, yeah. Well, Nan, yeah. What do you do if you're you're moving to a to new country? And I said, get a, a faithful church that focuses on the gospel and demonstrates the love of Christ. Um, let me give you what I've got, Nan. Then we can we can interact a, a little bit. When I say a faithful church, I think Nan, yeah. you, you hit on this. It, it's it's the Bible as our final authority, not even the experience of the pastor, uh, let alone any human experience, not human experience as the final authority, but the Word of God rightly interpreted as uh, and applied as the final authority. And also, mm-hmm. I, I would assume, Nan, the church that you're in, does it have a doctrinal statement? Have they given you a, a statement of what they believe? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. It's it, is it something like maybe the Westminster Confession of Faith or a, a catechism or something like that? Yes, like uh, uh, their confession. Okay, all right. Very very important. The Bible talks about holding to to uh, the faith, or actually contending for is actually the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And and mm-hmm. and the Bible even talks about the traditions that you've received. And and there are there are doctrinal statements that have been affirmed as as uh, as in accord with the Bible. Doctrinal statements over the years that have been affirmed as in accord with the Bible, and in, in documents like the Westminster Confession of Faith, or the shorter, larger Catechism, or the Heidelberg Catechism, or the Belgic Confession, um, or or even the Canons of Dort. There, I mean, these would be these would be. Um, full statements of what the Bible teaches, 
Look, Nan, in the country to which you're going, that church ought to give you a doctrinal statement. This is what we believe, okay? And and okay. you may even need to stay in contact with your pastor or pastors here in this country uh, so that mm-hmm. you can check with them ab- about that, but, uh, but, but ask for that. So faithful, the Bible is there, rightly interpreted, rightly applied as a final authority, mm-hmm. doctrinal statement. And then and, uh, the focus is on the gospel, Nan, where you mm-hmm. preach and teach the Bible um, as it, at least if you're preaching the Old Testament, it's the Old Testament as it looks forward to the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, when you come to the Gospels, they tell you about Jesus and, of course, the book of Acts, how Jesus is building his church. The epistles, they, they open up Romans to the Revelation. They just open up uh, the riches of Jesus. We, that's what I mean by focused on the Gospel. And it's a church, yeah. I mean, clearly, Nan, if it's a church that wants you to learn about Jesus, and Jesus came into the world to save us from our sins, then they ought to be have a real concern to see people saved by the gospel. And I would add to that, Nan, uh, that ought to be communicated in truth and in love, both, both together. The Apostle Paul uh, in Ephesians 4, uh, Nan, actually coined a word. I don't think there's any use of the word before this appeared in the New Testament. He uses the language of truthing it in love. Um, yeah. and that's the way we grow up. And, and you know, there's some churches, and they're strong on truth, and, and they, come down, they come down like a hammer on people. There's others that emphasize love, but they'll compromise truth. And, and you want mm-hmm. to have both and, okay? And, and, and I would say, uh, especially, Nan, uh, yeah. it's not a dictator who's to be a pastor, okay? Uh, uh, elders, pastors aren't dictators, but they're shepherds. And then demonstrating the life of Christ, uh, the people and, you know, Nan, the best churches. I tell people, uh, the, the, there's one perfect church, but you've got to die to get to it. <laughs> okay. So, but, but, but uh, you know, in the church that you're in, even with all of its imperfections, you want to see within that church that these people are really, that they not only profess faith in Christ, but they really want to follow the Lord Jesus, which it is to be a disciple. They give the evidences of being born again, of being new creatures in, in Christ. Um, and and uh, there's, there's a genuineness, Nan, I guess probably the best way I would put it, mm-hmm. genuineness about people. And then you hit on it there. That's why I asked you the question. The church mm-hmm. should function as a family. You you are a sister in Christ to me, and in church life, you function as brothers and sisters, and even even as mothers and fathers in Christ. My wife and I have the great privilege of having many uh, sons and daughters in the Lord, and and we need to mm-hmm. function like that in the church. So, so is that kind of helpful, man, to you? Oh, yes. It definitely is very helpful. Okay. Well, and I don't want to forget, and when you go to this new country, then you're going to want to be reading your Bible and good Christian literature every day. You need to commit mm-hmm. yourself to the Lord every day when you pray, um, and, and then also get that fellowship that you need with brothers and sisters yes. in church life, okay? Yeah. Great chatting thank with you, man. Thank you so much, Pastor Bill. Yeah, uh, thank you so much. God, Take care. God's blessing. Bye-bye now. A sweet, sweet Christian gal and a good counsel is actually something else that will come up a little bit later in the program that actually deals with, with something like this. My name is Bill Shishko. This is a, a visit to the pastor's study, and it's an open forum day, and you're welcome to call with your questions. If you'd like, 631-955-5400, um, or you can text your questions, 516 367 
888-900-0391. Let me just take you a moment to tell you about what this program is and why we're here. There's a, a group of, of churches that are part of what's called the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, which is a Bible-believing Presbyterian denomination, and those churches are in uh, Connecticut, basically southern Connecticut, and then also in, in metropolitan New York area. And those churches work together in what's called a presbytery, and part of their outreach uh, is this program, A Visit to the Pastor's Study. And you can find those churches. We're so thankful that they're in the listening area of WLIE Radio, which is the station that we broadcast from. And also there are Orthodox Presbyterian congregations and others in the Redeemer Broadcasting Network, in which we're privileged to be simulcast. But the churches I'm thinking of here, Orthodox Presbyterian congregations in East Haddam, Connecticut, that's Harvest OPC, and then the OPC in Hamden, Connecticut, called Westminster Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Then in New York, Orthodox Presbyterian congregations in Mount Vernon and in Fresh Meadows. That's known as Reformation Presbyterian Church, apparently not far from where Nan is. And then in Franklin Square and Syosset Trinity Church and the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Bohemia. So those are they're not the only faithful churches in the area, but they seek to be faithful to the Lord. And when we talk about gospel-centered uh, faithful churches, these are ones we can commend to you. Commend the archives of A Visit to the Pastor's Study to you. Uh, just uh, look up one, all one word. Just Google Visit the Pastor's Study, all one word, no space. Although if you put in a visit to the Pastor's Study, we'll be sort of the top of your search engine there, and you'll find the archives of our programs that we call magazine articles for the ear. You can also access our programs on sermonaudio.com. We highly recommend the resource of sermonaudio.com as a place from which you can get very fine teaching and preaching, and we're thankful to have our space with them on a visit to the pastor's study area. If you'd like to email me, you can email me at visitpastorbill. Again, that's all one word, visitpastorbill at gmail.com. And you can call me on my study number, 516-593-1507. You'll almost always get my electronic secretary, uh, but uh, feel free to speak to her <laughs> and leave your, your message and your phone number, and I'll get back to you. That's 516-593-1507. We have our monthly open forum, and uh, we have on the line Sylvia. Sylvia, welcome to the open forum today. Thank you so much, Pastor Bill. And before I pose my question to you, I would just like to make an open thank you to Dan Elmendorf. He has been a blessing to me, and no one can really fathom the depths of appreciation that I have I'm sure he's working very hard to keep this program and all the other ones on the line. And I'm going through a very difficult time in my life. And so the Lord has laid upon me with the help of one of his servants that Dan Elmendorf is sort of the one that bears a lot of the burdens of this program. And I would like him to know that I am in the name of our Lord and Savior, that I am most appreciative for his generous work. All right. Thanks, Sylvia. Dan Elmendorf is the, is the director of Redeemer Broadcasting Network, 
and uh, we would express our appreciation to him too. That network is not everyone is in the is in the range of WLIE AM, uh, but you can get Redeemer Broadcasting by live streaming, and we commend their programming to you. So, Sylvia, what's your question today? It's difficult, Pastor, for me to even compress all my problems into one question, but I will hit the tip of the iceberg. I am an older woman. I have no family here to help me. I have multiple medical problems, and I'm in a state now where I have financial problems, but the most important thing to me is I do not have a church and a pastor, and so I feel very insecure. I have known the Lord for many, many years, but that does not mean that when you get older and you've been with a church where you have a pastor that you don't need one at my age. You never, never can go without a pastor, without having the... I enjoyed you speaking to that young man that called earlier about what requirements he would have to have to be a man of God, and I was impressed with what you told him. So my question would be, what would your advice be to me at this point? I have found a pastor that I sort of have adopted to be my counsel, but it's not the same as having a church that preaches the Word of God and a pastor. Uh, For physical reasons of my medical problems, I cannot get out and look around for one. And so far, I have called a couple of churches, and they don't even return my call. So I am in a question where, what would you recommend to me? And I would like to hang up so that you can address this. Yes, thank you for the call and the question, Sylvia, and and I appreciate you letting me me, uh, take some time to answer that. It's It's remarkable how what Sylvia asked relates to another matter that came up. I don't know that we'll have time to deal with it today. question is basically this. Um, everyone does need a pastor. That's why we use the, that as, as one of our bylines in here. Everyone needs a pastor. We are all sheep, and uh, sheep need to hear the voice of a shepherd who is a, is a faithful shepherd. What do you do, as in Sylvia's case, you are not near a faithful local church. Um, that is a very difficult one to answer. You, we, must, we must be part of churches that are faithful to the Word of God. If all you have as an option in your area, and as in Sylvia's case, you are not able to travel, you are incapacitated for one reason or another, don't substitute a church that doesn't believe the Bible is the Word of God and doesn't preach the gospel. That would be poison for your soul. That's not an option. What is? First of all, you're going to pray. The Lord the Lord Jesus didn't give a lot of specific things to pray for other than the Lord's Prayer, but one specific was, 
pray that the Lord of the harvest send forth laborers into the harvest field. And if you're in an area where there's no faithful local church, you need ministry there, uh, that's that's just one of the areas where laborers need to go. So I, I can't I can't overstate the importance of praying for laborers. Number two, seek the counsel, whether it be from me uh, or or someone that you know and trust who can guide you. Call, contact, and says maybe one of you. You can get on the phone and, and call five one six five nine three one five zero seven. That's my study number. Five one six five nine three one five zero seven. I'm living in such and such a place. Can't find a local church. Can you help me? That is actually part of the purpose of this program: is to direct people toward faithful local churches. So reach out to someone you know who can guide you in that way. Number three, make contact with that pastor, even if that church is of some distance from you. Uh, get to know the pastor, speak to the pastor. Hopefully, if that pastor is one who has the heart of Christ, who who went out of the highways and byways, or said to go in the highways and byways and compel them to come in, who went after the one sheep that was 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 wandering, the heart of a real shepherd will reach out to you in one way or the other to seek to minister to you. And then, then I would say that pastor can look at different options. There are some people, and Sylvia may be in that category, that they, they can't drive, they, they may be, they may be uh, infirm or handicapped or invalids and, and are, are, are homebound. They're still, our Lord was one who went to people's houses. He ministered to them. And if you get a shepherd after Christ's own heart, then then they will come to visit you and minister to you. And they may even know of someone back to square one here uh, who who might be part of that answer to prayer that the Lord raise up a church in your area. So I, I appreciate Sylvia's question very much. We'll, uh, we have one other quick question that we're going to deal with. We'll be back after this message from the voice of a visit to the pastor's study. It's not enough to listen to pastors on the radio or to watch them on television. Everyone needs a biblically faithful pastor, and everyone needs a biblically faithful church. A visit to the pastor's study is a ministry of the Orthodox Presbyterian churches in the metropolitan New York area. We're no substitute for a faithful pastor in a local church, but we are a supplement. Visit our website, www.visitthepastorsstudy.org, and you'll find the ministry of this program extended right to your electronic device. Here you'll find archives of past programs, a weekly message from Pastor Bill's Pastor's Post, helps for pastors, helps for congregation members, material for officer training, and much more. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. And we also invite you to contact the host of this program, Pastor Bill Shishko. You can email him at visitpastorbill at gmail.com. He'd love to hear from you so that he can bring his pastoral ministry to you personally. That's visitpastorbill at gmail.com. Remember, everyone needs a pastor. And now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Pastor Bill Shishko here with you. This is the segment in which we usually give what we call counsel from the pastor's study, although the whole program today has been pretty much that. I want to speak with you for a few moments about loneliness. 
I read an article in a recent World magazine, and I commend World magazine. You just look up World magazine, and you'll get uh, get their website with all of their various um, different different uh, platforms for news. An article called "Cruel Summer" by Juliana Chan Erickson. It's in the June thirtieth, two thousand eighteen edition of World magazine. "Cruel Summer" begins this way: loneliness plagues our social media-drenched society, and summer is the season of greatest isolation, uh, among many other probing things that she writes in the article. She says, put loneliness of summer into a search engine, and you'll find articles defining summer as, quote, a season of intense loneliness and isolation. All your friends are on vacation for weeks at a time. Ecstatic Facebook updates about festivals, barbecues, and exotic holiday destinations only seem to rub your nose in the fact that you are stuck at home. And we are talking about millions of people who say that above all else, they are lonely. And I was struck by the, by the, by the, probing title of a powerful book by Sherry Turkle, uh, who is at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, her book Alone Together, about how social media has in many ways driven us apart, loneliness. Now, in saying that, don't please don't be opposed to technology. Uh, there, there are, there are, technology is a good thing. It's one of the advances of, of humankind, but it is a good thing in a fallen world. And in a fallen world, there's always going to be benefits and liabilities of every development. And here, I would commend to you a couple of programs from our archives of a visit to the pastor's study, May 17th of, of 2017, living in our mediate, living wisely in our mediated world is the second one. And the first one, understanding media with a Christian authority on what's called media ecology, uh, Dr. Gregory Reynolds. But that gets into the bigger picture of the benefits and the liabilities of culture, which you ought to study in that magazine article uh, for the ear. At the same time, while we shouldn't be opposed to technology, Satan is a deceiver. He comes as an angel of light, and he is a liar. And even secular science is showing that social media, quote-unquote, can become a great enemy of true social life. Here's the reason. Sin turns us inward, in on ourselves, and social media will make us focus on selfies, our pictures, what we are doing, our wanting likes and we wanting followers and so forth. And that is exactly the opposite of, of that love that in society gives itself for the good of others. So loneliness, begin begin by being transformed by the renewing of your mind. There is no substitute for person-to-person fellowship, not Instagram, not Twitter, not Facebook, not any other social media. There is no substitute for person-to-person fellowship. Why? Because we are made in the image of a trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God is not bits and bytes and algorithms. God is, again, three persons and one God. He, he is, as it were, in society in his own existence. And he made us 
to be in person-to-person fellowship with others. It is not good, he said, for a man to be alone. And of course, for many, part of the solution of loneliness is marriage. And for those who are divorced or for those who are widowed or widowers, the issues connected with a remarriage or marriage need to be considered. And the best person-to-person fellowship should be, we're getting back to the theme of this whole program, in a faithful, vibrant, local church. What is the church? The Apostle Paul says again to Minister Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, the church, this is one for Nan who called earlier, the church is the household of God. It's a house. It's a family. Houses are places in which people live together and laugh together and eat together and feast together. And and it's a family. No loneliness there. It's the church of the living God. There's life to it. And there is not life in bits and bites and, and algorithm. It's the pillar and ground of the truth. And that truth, among other things, is the truth as it is in Jesus. That's what First Timothy 3.16 is about. Jesus, who is truth made flesh. We communicate with him. So, so what I'm saying is this. You've got to find um, a, a, a faithful local church uh, or you die gradually. Read the article in World Magazine, Cruel Summer by Juliana Chan Erickson, and that point is made powerfully. Find a faithful church and then seek out the lonely and show them the genuine love of Christ, the Sylvia's in the world, okay, who are lonely, and the Nans who are in the world. I think she's lonely, but she's going to be lonely in her new place if she doesn't get friends. Uh, visit people who are lonely, have them into your home, invite them to your church uh, that you go to. Show them the love of Christ who gave himself for the good of others. Hey, I want to thank all of the callers today to the visit to the Pastor's Study Open Forum. We have a lot of fun with those programs once a month, and we'll do one again in the month to come. You can contact me, visit Pastor Bill at gmail.com. That's all one word, visit Pastor Bill at gmail.com. Or if it's easier for you, you can call me on the phone, 516-593-1507. You'll get the voicemail, but I promise you we'll call you back when it's uh, when I'm able to work that out in the schedule. Don't forget, tomorrow is the Lord's Day. It's the day that we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, having once offered him up for himself up for our sins, gather with God's people and hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see you again next week on the radio on a visit to the pastor's study. You've been listening to a special open forum edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study, a ministry of Reformation Metro New York Incorporated and the Orthodox Presbyterian Churches of Metropolitan New York and Connecticut. For more information on the program, check out our website at www.visitthepastorstudy.org. That's www.visitthepastorstudy.org. Listen in next Saturday at 1 p.m. for another open forum edition of a visit to the pastor's study. Remember, everyone needs a pastor.